We, uh, we have a real treat for you today. Um, I met George Nita 17 years ago in Tyler, Texas, in Youth of the Mission. It's not very often that somebody who's raised in the jungles of Papua New Guinea comes to America to become a missionary. But that's exactly what George did. He had come to the U.S. to join Youth of the Mission. He used to freak all the little kids out around by grabbing spiders and throwing them into his mouth. <laughs> little trick that he used to do. Maybe still does it. I don't know. But the kids all thought it was the coolest thing ever. We affectionately called him George of the Jungle because he quite literally was George of the Jungle. And uh, we became dear friends in that Bible school. We went on an outreach to Monterey, Mexico, and I realized this man had a special anointing with people that I'd never seen before, even people who he didn't speak the language with. He'd walk down the street, and within three minutes, he was surrounded by a, group, a pack of 15 teenagers who he was trying to communicate with. They don't speak each other's language, but they're all laughing hysterically. And I thought, this man has a gift. And we worked together for many years in ministry, both in Tyler, Texas, and in Mendocino, California. He was uh, with his wife, Karen, at the time, and uh, uh, we walked through some really difficult things. Karen contracted cancer for a third time and, and passed away in 2010. And we actually had her memorial right here uh, in this room. And it was a, a difficult season, but to watch the, the redemption of the Lord through George's life has been one of the great joys of my life to walk alongside this man and then from a distance watch as the Lord rebuilt something incredible. And I, start, I saw it begin to happen one night as he um, told us that as he had just been working through his own grief and walking through this extended season and then they began to start to come out of this. And then he was telling us about this young lady that he had met, a YWAMer, who was actually raised in Papua New Guinea as a missionary from Australia. And one night, I came home, and I'm hearing this whisper in the house, because he would stay on our couch about half the time. He was on your, your, your couches the rest of the time. But I come in, I hear this whisper. I'm like, where is this coming from? And I walk up in the bathroom, and here the lights are all off in the bathroom. And here's George having a FaceTime conversation with this young lady. <laughs> like, what do you do? It's like midnight. It's after midnight. And here he is talking with her, but he, he wanted to be, stay in the quietest part of the house so he didn't wake any of our kids up. So here he is in the the bathroom having this conversation and it was the sweetest thing so that was my first time meeting crystal and it was a bit awkward actually hello i'm talking from my bathroom nice to see you um but i don't think she knew that george was even in the bathroom to watch george blush a little bit was funny because it was just funny so anyway to watch what the lord has done with this couple is phenomenal and they're going to share this morning about this ministry that they have found themselves in the midst of and it is my uh, great pleasure to commend them to you now. George and Crystal Nita, let's give them a Christ Center welcome. Thank you very much. Um, what am I thankful for this Thanksgiving? family, you guys. Thank you so much for being a very significant part of our family and our ministry in Papua New Guinea. Some of you guys probably have seen us on, um, up here on, on, on prayer, so we're, we're real people. We're here to testify that your prayer has really sustained us. Um, bef before I move on, uh, this is my wife. This is the one that Jason was talking about in the bathroom. Was it, in the, it was literally in the toilet side to hold the computer up so she doesn't see the septic and all the other plumbing in the house. 
Okay. Now it is, yes. I knew it was in the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> She's from Australia. They call it Australia. <laughs> Australia. And um, God really blessed me. It was a very, like Jason said, that during, um, you know, when Karen moved on to be with the Lord and, and um, a very dark, hard transition time. And, you know, when, when uh, you know, are we all happy that God, when you're in the midst of something, you really can't see what, it, what the thing is, but when you come here and you look at over there and you go, wow, God, you really do work things together for the good of those who love you and those that are called according to your purpose. But when you're in the pain, when somebody tells you that scripture, you want to get this microphone and break the head. <laughs> Don't do that, but you feel like you want to do it. <laughs> but God is so good. He just, he carries you through. And when you come out of it, there's good things. There's good things in store for you. So I'm just really blessed to do life and ministry with somebody who was born in Papua New Guinea. No, you weren't. I wasn't born there. She was raised in Papua New Guinea. I was born in. I was born and raised in Papua New Guinea. I'm the real George of the jungle. Yes, and I do eat spider eggs and wasp lovers. And um, I, when, when I met Crystal, it's just um, it's it's only God can do that. Um, she was working at the HIV children's home in the northern part of Thailand in a city called Chiang Rai. And uh, I was dreaming about opening a children's home, running a children's home. And just after watching so many people in Papua New Guinea um, dying from AIDS, and, uh, and when Karen had died, somebody, a few, few, uh, a few months later, somebody introduced me to Crystal uh, and said, you should look up this girl. She's doing everything you're talking about. She's actually making it happen. And... Uh, of all the places we met on Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to one day thank Mark, Mark Zucken, Zuckenberg, and say, thank you. <laughs> but she came to meet me in Papua New Guinea from Thailand. I've never met this woman. So I'm from up in the islands, up in the mountain. There is no road connection. You only fly. And she said, I'm coming to see you live in person. And I freaked out. I remember, wow, this woman is really coming to see me. And um, the first time I met her, she's this street. She's two and a half inches taller than me. <laughs> and I said, this is not going to work on so many levels. Because we will never see things eye to eye, literally. I will always look up to her. But God has a sense of humor because when I went out and I saw all the short guys with the tall wife and I'm thinking, okay, this is, we can make this work. And I said, I said I'm not marrying a Papua New Guinean and I'm not marrying a man shorter than me. I don't know what happened. So what's what you pray for, young people? She said, she's not marrying a Papua New Guinean and a man that's shorter than me. So pray I didn't the, pray it though. Pray I just said I wasn't. So thank you for having us. Thanksgiving Day. I'm thankful that you guys are a very... Like I said, very significant part of our, our ministry and just really am eternally grateful from, from all of our hearts. Um, and I, we have a son who's sleeping somewhere. You'll meet him later. But uh, just real quick, if you have a Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. You don't have to read it. Just, just
just read my lips. What do you think if someone owns a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go look for the one? For the one? For the one that went astray? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over the one more than the 99 that did not go astray. And in the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that one of these little ones be lost. My darling, you can have a seat there for now. 2009 or 2008? Yeah, 2009, 2008, between the time. You know, this church has so many different home groups. And I joined one of the home groups, and they took me for a camp by the coast, Lincoln City, Lincoln, Lincoln City if, I, if I remember it correctly. And um, I remember I was, uh, the Jenkins had invited me, Greg and Tammy. And we went there. And um, after swimming and hanging out, we came back to the, the location where we were staying. But while we were on the beach, I collected two things, three things. Put it in my pocket, and I, I came to the campsite, and I said, hey, Tammy, um, I found this. And three starfish. I put it in my pocket, and I showed it. Both Tammy and her husband. And Tammy looked at me and said, oh, my gosh, why did you? It's the, the shocking look. He said, you know that you can be fined for this? <laughs> According to the state of Oregon, if you take one starfish out, one. 10,000 US dollars. That's 30,000 kina. That's a lot of money. You do the mathematics, okay? Three starfish. <laughs> so she said, can you just kindly go back to where you get that and put it back there? <laughs> she drove me back and I went and got the starfish and just, just let them go. There's a story about this little old lady. She was walking along the beach and the tide has gone back. And all this stuff is, as far as your eye could see, hundreds of thousands just laying. And she, th she thought, man, this, this stuff is, they need to be back in the water. So she bends down, gets one, throws it back into the water, gets one, throws it back into the water. And a uh, guy standing behind, him, behind her laughing and said, forget it, old lady. There's lots of them. Just forget it. But she didn't listen to them. She just picks one, throws it back into the water. And now they're laughing at her going, you're not making a difference, old lady. Forget it. She gets one, throws it as far as she could to the, deep into the ocean. And she said, it makes a difference at this one. It makes a difference at this one. Going after the one. The significance of what this ministry, what we do, is going after the one. And that's, when, when we came up with I Care For You and God dropped it, you know, this bombshell vision going after these people that people living in Papua New Guinea with HIV is like leprosy days back in the Bible. If you read the Bible, that talks about how the lepro people with leprosy were treated. They were basically left out in the outer courts of the city. And that's our modern day Papua New Guinea people, with, people living with HIV AIDS. It's almost like you don't deserve to be in this room and you don't deserve to breathe the same air that I'm breathing. And I remember I lost family members from HIV AIDS and that stigma around, let's not just, if, if one of my family members was positive, 
with AIDS. Let's just not tell people because our culture is a very shame-based culture. Because we want to keep our status in the community and if something like that is exposed and you know, you walk around with yeah, those things, you know, they got HIV people, AIDS people. And uh, because of that, it really pushes people away um, from going to get the help they need. So God really spoke to both of us about uh, setting up this um, home that this woman can come and be themselves, not worry about what others are thinking of them or talking about them. And we started um, dr dreaming about making this happen. And, uh, and now we are in the middle of actually making this dream become a reality. And God has been really good to us by uh, providing um, the right people in Papua New Guinea that really believe in what we're doing and that wanting to work with us, different NGOs. Um, but I'm going to let my wife um, talk about I Care For You and what we've actually done so far. Okay, so we're, we are part of YWAM, Youth With a Mission, some of you may know. Um, so we are a mercy aspect of, of that ministry or of that organization, um, working specifically with women and children affected by HIV. Um, this is, as, as George was mentioning, HIV is, is quite uh, prevalent in Papua New Guinea. Many, many women, men, women and children die each year of, of HIV. Um, and also we touched on earlier too that uh, um, TB is, is every two hours somebody dies of TB. So the combination of HIV and TB is killing people pretty fast. Uh, they still see HIV as a death sentence. It's not. You can be on treatment. You can have a family who aren't positive and you can live a full life, um, a quite fulfilling life, just like anybody else uh, with HIV. So we want to help bring awareness to that because at this point, many women will um, they'll find out that they're positive and they'll actually go back to their village and die because, because of the shame, because of the stigma and the isolation, that in itself kills them and they don't, they don't want to disclose their status to people so they won't take their medications and then that, that really will kill them fast. Uh, so we, we first came to Papua New Guinea with another organisation uh, that was working with, uh, through a child sponsorship program for children affected by HIV and we... We came over with the intention to pioneer a children's home, uh, but within three months we soon recognised that it, was, it wasn't the case. They really wanted us to focus on what they were already doing and uh, it became quite controlling. And we, So we decided that we would step down at that point from, from that organisation and start I Care For You under YWAM because we're both familiar with YWAM. We've both got backgrounds um, and, and have served with YWAM internationally. And so that's what we felt was right to do. And that's how I Care For You was birthed. And yeah, George shared a little bit about those scriptures and uh, stories that first impacted us. And then really seeing the reality in Papua New Guinea of HIV and realizing that, yeah, we needed to do something about it. So we started, HR, um, started HIV. No, we didn't. Um, we started I Care For You by um, really laying down a foundation. So we've been there for two years now in the capital of Papua New Guinea called Port Moresby. And we've been uh, making sure that we were registered as a, an NGO, a non-profit organi non 
and a non-government organisation and um, getting our tax exemption status or our charitable status in the country. Um, that way, you know, businesses can get on board and, and even the government will be more willing to provide funding for certain things if you, if you have that status. So we've been laying down those foundations and networking with the local hospitals and like-minded organisations working with also women and children affected by HIV. We want to... Uh, provide a rehabilitation program for these women. So, uh, for instance, they may find out uh, through the local hospital, they go in for their antenatal classes or just for a checkup, and they find out they're HIV. Well, usually what happens is they have a brief sort of counselling and they may get a little bit of awareness about HIV and then they're kind of sent on their way with treatment, but they're, they're just a lack of understanding. And a lot of them then are not compliant to stay on the treatment or they don't want, again, their family members to know so they don't stay on their treatment, which also affects the unborn child. So even though the percentage is low, if they don't look after themselves and stay on treatment, they can pass HIV to the child. Um, so we want to build a program around helping these women understand HIV, um, address the areas of, of nutrition and exercise, uh, counselling, and then also equip them with life skills training, like, classes so that they can leave the program being equipped with what they need to help look after their families and feel like they're, restore hope back into their life and ultimately use that time to disciple them and point them to Jesus because he's really their only hope. So uh, that's, that's the first part of I Care For You that we're aiming to accomplish within this next year. We also want to um, utilise the YWAM teams that come through regularly uh, to Port Moresby through community engagement opportunities, through the local high schools, bringing awareness and prevention strategies uh, back into play. They've really pulled out a lot of that sort of uh, education and awareness um, in the more recent years due to uh, mismanagement of funds and all of those kind of things. So we want to help do that and also connect with local churches to help them take greater ownership for the, their people and yeah, work ourselves out of that position so that they're actually caring for their, their own communities. We also want to work with the children um, through establishing a relationship with the welfare department. We've, we've been able to recognise the need to help place abandoned, orphaned or unwanted children, whether they're HIV or affected by um, interloving families. So we would become community volunteers through the welfare department, which will then allow us to, I guess... It's like we're available to foster these children at the moment. Babies will sit in the hospitals for up to six months until they're placed somewhere because there's nowhere else for them. So they get very minimal um, contact, very minimal love during those early stages that are so important for a baby. Um, and so we aim to do that as I care for you and help the welfare department to place those children into loving families. Um, a little... I'll just share briefly about our son Judah. So he's adopted. We adopted him. His adoption was official on the 25th of September this year. So that's why we finally got to travel with him. So, yeah. He's at the back. You'll all see him running around later. Uh, he's 14 months now. So a bundle of energy. We're probably crazy traveling with a toddler. But we're surviving, so it's good. And he's happy. Um, so a bit about his, his story was he was uh, born in Port Moresby General Hospital to a HIV-positive 16-year-old young girl who had no support around her. The family she was living with said, because they knew she was HIV, they said, do not come home with the baby. So she had 
little support, little education, and was really in, a, I guess, a, a state of, of desperateness. And um, I believe she did the right thing. She had him at the hospital. She could have... What's happening regularly in Papua New Guinea is they're just throwing their babies away in the bush live, and people are finding these babies alive in the bush. Or and, they... And most of the ladies are selling their babies right outside uh, the hospital. The nurses and the doctors know it, and they're not doing anything. I think they're probably thinking it's better for them to sell it than dumping it in the, in the rubbish bin or something. Yeah, or they sell their babies, or they also, you know, terminate early on. Um, so we're very thankful she, she chose to have him at the hospital, um, but she did disappear the next day, and we had known about him from our uh, volunteer who was working at the hospital at the time. She was a, she's a young HIV uh, lady herself who's a real advocate for other women living with HIV. So she had told us about, about Judah. At that point, he didn't have that name. He was... He had above his, his um, baby cot abandoned and he was just in the nursery. So we knew he was there. Backtrack a little bit. We were also going to adopt a, another little baby that was to be born in November of that year, last year. Um, but he was, his mum had HIV and TB and the hospital decided to induce her at 25 weeks. So he was born very tiny and he survived two days but he just didn't make it. They don't, anything under 900 grams... They really don't have the skills or the equipment to keep them alive, and so they really just have to let them die. So that was quite quite a, a shock for us. We called him Gideon, and we buried him on our property out um, in Gerica, which is where we're going to develop our, our, our little community out there. Um, and so we'll build a memorial garden for him in the future. But So that was kind of our journey of adoption that was kind of cut short suddenly. And then, so when we heard about Judah, we weren't quite ready to... To, to go down that road again. So we had, we thought someone's going to come for him. Family members often come for their unwanted or um, babies from their immediate family. So someone will come for him. We left for Australia for five weeks, but when we returned, he was then seven weeks old and he was still in the hospital. But if a baby is HIV baby, then people are going, yeah, maybe any other disease is fine, but HIV, nah. They're more likely to be abandoned if, yeah, if they're if they think that the baby is HIV, which he is not, praise the Lord. He's had, uh, he has to have tests up till 18 months, but he's negative so far and he's healthy. And yeah, we know that's not his, his journey. So praise God for that. Um, uh, so we, we decided at that point, we went and saw him for the first time and George looked at him and he thought, oh, we're crazy. This guy needs a family. We want a family. We haven't been able to have kids yet. So, you know, let's see what we can do to to bring him home. So we talked to the welfare department and they said, sure, you can have him. It was pretty much that simple. The, the CEO of the welfare department in Port Moresby is actually from the same village area that George is from. So and This guy is the director of child service in the entire Papua New Guinea yeah. and he likes what we're doing and he said, you can so have him. <laughs> <laughs> most, he is giving us the responsibility of getting these kids and placing into homes. Yeah, he will, they will. We have to register with them, but that's the idea that we will become that. Um, and, so, be, and because we brought Judah home and he's so cute, and I said, oh, let's go get another one because I know there's more where that came from. There's lots of babies. And she said, no, let's just... Not yet. <laughs> just... Let's work on this one first. So literally within two weeks, they brought Judah to our house. So they came and did a home study, which actually was really the welfare lady sitting at our kitchen table crying for 45 minutes how she... She couldn't believe that we would, be, we would accept a baby even if he was HIV because she's had so many people reject them. So it was really unprofessional, but we thought, 
I think this is this is actually a good thing. We're you know, she she wants us to have this baby. So, and then she pretty much all the list of questions that you go through when you do a home study. She said, here's the list of questions. Just answer them and give them back to me. <laughs> so I I did our own report, pretty much. They usually do it, but they just give it. She to didn't us. this time. She said, here you go, fill it out. And you're supposed to have three home studies. We only ended up with one. I don't know how, but yeah, that just favor, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then within two days of that home study, she brought him to our house and said, here's your son. I know you'll take good care of him and left. And that was that. And then, well, we had to do the whole full adoption, um, legal adoption, because there's a lot of adoptions they do there, which are like tribal adoptions, which are not legal. But it works for them if they're not leaving Papua New Guinea. In our country, if somebody has, if I have 10 kids and my cousin or, or whoever doesn't have kids, we'll say, you can have two. Just, just give it to them. Yeah, I mean, they it's will. Normal. Just give them their, their kids, yeah. Like in here. And then you just You're go not having my child. It's, it's my own. You can go into where they write up the birth certificates and they say, yeah, I'm the parent, and they'll just write up a birth certificate for that child and give them. It's crazy. But obviously I'm white, and I, if I took Judah in and said he's my child, they may question. So we thought it was wise to do it properly. <laughs> yes. So we had official court hearing for him, and it's been legally approved adoption. <laughs> um, so a little bit about what we've already been able to achieve. We're going to show you a video in a, in a moment, and I think you guys may have already seen it, but it's about our property development. So in order for us to be able to run our rehabilitation and do our community development and um, be able to foster these children, we need to be operating out of our property. At the moment, it's just land. So we were gifted, we were gifted this 1.3 acres from the Nazarene Church in the community, so we're on like a 99-year lease with them. Um, and so now we've been donated a large building, which we need to transport and refit to uh, be able to run our program. That's where we're at right now. We're on this, this big sort of um, awareness and, and fundraising drive. Uh, but I wanted to let you know what we were able to do leading up to now. We worked with the Pont Wasby General Hospital, where, where Judah was born and where our volunteer was working at the time. So these women that came in for their um, antenatal and found out their HIV, they would, they would go through this um, small program where they, yeah, uh, tested and, and then uh, some counselling and treatment. So we decided that we would, over a six-month period, give care packs, which pretty much just um, had basic sanitary items and a couple of baby need items. We just said, this is who we are, this is what we want to do, we want you to know we love you and you're not alone in this journey. Um, so, and then we would give them this care pack. We saw over a six-month period 105 women who were new, regist new registrations. Um, we were able to give them these care packs. So that really is showing that there's about, what, 16 to 17 women per month coming in that are, are th through one clinic in Papua New Guinea, in Port Moresby, that are coming in positive. So it just gives you kind of an indication of how bad HIV is in the country. Um, and one thing I didn't mention in the first service, but we're trying to work with the um, PNG HIV Council to uh, see zero mother-to-child transmission by 2020. So at the moment, they did a rough survey. I think last year they reported 500 cases. Those are the reported cases. Um, so it, it's smaller, but it still, it still happens. So we want to be a part of that through our education and awareness that we bring in to help these women to take care of themselves during their pregnancy. Um, and, yeah, to see zero mother-to-child transmission of HIV. Uh, we also 
were able to assist one client, which I had mentioned, the lady who had the baby at 25 weeks that we were going to adopt. She was our first client. Because we weren't able to take her in, we didn't have the property, we, we gave her rent assistance and we, uh, we um, gave her nutritional advice, gave her healthy fruit and vegetables to eat, supplements and also some counselling. Um, but sadly, she was TB, HIV and, and uh, in December that year she had a fight with her mother and decided to go off her treatment altogether and she died. So this is, she's one of thousands that do that. For some reason I think, they just think I'll show you, you know, and then they go off their treatment and then they're dead and it's like, what did you show them? Nothing. But So it's, it's, it's a bit of a different mentality why they do that, I'm not sure. But she was our first client um, and then we also, in June this year, happened to have a, a beautiful little baby boy in our care along with Judah. Uh, who was born one month premature and his mum didn't want him. She was going to probably just sell him to anyone. But she'd heard about what we were doing and she said, will you take him? And we said, the only way we'll get involved is if we take you to welfare and you sign him over because we want to make sure he's going to a good family. So she did that and uh, we were able to somehow, you know, just through our relationship with the welfare department, they pretty much gave us the permission to decide where this baby was going to go and we knew a missionary family that had already handed in some paperwork that never got processed. So we said, can that family have the baby? And they said, yes. And then really within two or three days of this meeting, they came and took the baby and were able to take welfare with them to go and do a home study right then and there. So we were just blown away by just, you know, the way the Lord used us in that circumstance. And it really, we recognized that Working with children, we thought maybe the rehabilitation program would start up first, but now we're recognizing that maybe the children's ministry side of, of I Care For You and the rehab will grow together. Um, yeah, we're just recognizing the need is a lot more greater and that there's, there's just a lot more that we can do once we're on our property. So I'm going to stop there and we're going to show you the video. I Care For You started in uh, 2014 after watching so many people in Papua New Guinea losing their lives from HIV AIDS and it, it, it began from a place of I can either sit and watch and let these people die or maybe there's something I can do about it. When George first started talking to me about I Care For You, but before we even knew it was I Care For You, um, he'd said, you know, I've seen the plight of my nation, I've seen you know, women selling their babies on the streets. I've seen um, the street kids fight for survival and uh, HIV taking over our nation. And how would I go about helping? How can I make a difference? Because of stigma and discrimination in PNG, we have to uh, cater for these girls in the situation where they feel like they're being neglected because of their status. You know, how do we say, hey, we have a place for you. You can come for three months, get to stay with us and then, you know, teach them the importance of hygiene, diet, life skills training, and counseling. We started dreaming together about what it would look like to see a decrease in those who are affected, affected by HIV. 
and how we would instill dignity back into their lives, remind them of their, their identity and who they are and, and bring hope. This year, February, ExxonMobil donated a 1.5 million kina building. The facility will include one staff house, two respite centers, one manager's house, a big building that has a kitchen hall, a mess hall downstairs, and the training facilities upstairs. And the challenge is coming up with 218,000 kina to move the property from their Exxon, Exxon Mobil location to Gerica, our property. And Jesus said, what you've done to the least of this, you've done it to me. The gospel is very simple. We don't have to make it complicated. It's really, really simple. And they're everywhere. They're here. They're in New Guinea. Eugene, sleeping under a bridge. Right outside, as soon as you step out of the church. And um, here's the invitation. Well, we've been, we've been already on the road for two and a half weeks, like my wife said, with the baby. And just... Um, sharing at home groups, churches, that we need people to help us. Praying is good, but there's a missionary that said, put some legs on your prayers. Come to PNG. Like, how can I help you, George? We need, Papua New Guineans are not skilled people, so we need some guys that, you know, just can all the hammer and just drill it in and put those beams up. And, I mean, this is a big building. We need to, it's a, it's a modular home. So we need to break this and to split them apart just like you saw in the video. So we're going to need people to do this. So the invitation is, I'm throwing this invitation as a church family. You can come to PNG and help us. In February and March is when we plan to Je do Yeah, the end of January, beginning of... Uh, the building moves early February and then the build refit after that. Yeah. So thank you so much for just letting us share with you our story, where we are. You guys have been praying for us. Keep praying. And we believe that prayer really does move people to um, uh, you know, open the gates of heaven so that others can uh, give and be a part of. And so, yeah, thank you so, so much. So I'm going to step in there. Um, so we need to raise a fair bit of money. We've already raised half that through an agreement that we have with Wycliffe Associates. So there's two different... Wycliffe, um, some of you may have heard, which is Bible translation, and Wycliffe Associates was a, a support missionary organization that would come in to help Wycliffe do their translation. Now, they want, they've got a program, Wycliffe Associates has a program that um, fast tracks this Bible translation, and they want to be able to run it, but it didn't go down well with Wycliffe. So they separated, which then meant that they actually needed a place to operate their um, this this translation and have an office. So they, we just kind of established a relationship with them and they came to us and said, you know, could we have an office space? Would you be able to give us two of your, we have 12 modular buildings that make up that large building you saw in the video. And so they said, could we have two of them, have an office space on your property and we'd be, we would pay for our own utilities, but for the first year it'd be rent free if we give you 30,000 US dollars. That's, that's uh, half of, our target. Yes. So the 218,000 kina roughly is about 70,000 US dollars. And then we need more to refit. So we, we've 
yeah, we've, we've kind of come to this point where, oh, and then also with this agreement with them, they've said after, after 12 months, you can either kick us out or let us rent from you at market value. So we would see some, some money come in for iCareview on a regular basis through their renting of, of this office space. So, which was, they really, we're helping them, but they're helping us, and we're really just thankful to the Lord for this partnership because they've, they've really just got behind us. Um, they also said that come January, the building needs to be moved in, in early February. So uh, they said, if you um, don't have all the funds from your fundraising trip by then, we can renegotiate our agreement and look at maybe having two years rent-free if we pay the rest, that kind of agreement. So, But we're here in faith that we're going to see you know, the abundance of the Lord through this finance coming in. Um, we just feel we need to be obedient and do our part and bring awareness and let you all know of the needs. Um, that's why we've been going throughout US and also Australia. And we've done some fundraising in Papua New Guinea. And our role really is just to trust, trust the Lord that he's got this. If he's led us this far, he's not going to just, you know, leave us. It does kind of, February is, is not far away, but we didn't really have any opportunity to come sooner because of Judah's adoption. So we just trust in God, even with the timing of that. Maybe it fits into somebody's timetable and they say, yes, I can come. I've got, I can paint walls. I can, you know, sweep the floors or maybe even help with some of the landscape. Um, if that's you, you know, if the Lord's prompting you, we want to hear from you because, yeah, we definitely need your help. We need, we need, um, yeah, the body of Christ in, in even physically coming, as well as the finances. We also have t-shirts for sale. They're $30. I'm actually just going to leave them here with, with the church family. So at the end, we don't want to carry it around in our suitcases any longer. Um, but yeah, if you want one, please purchase. It's going to go directly to the building project. Um, they're in black and white. And then also we wanted to, on a personal level, just let you know that as, as missionaries in Papua New Guinea, we live off of support. And we've had amazing support from this church family. So thank you very much for that to start with. But we also are at a point, especially with having a son now, that we need to um, increase our support, our monthly support that comes in. So if, you, if you're feeling the Lord tug on your heart that you want to join us in monthly support, being a monthly support partner, we'll do our part to keep you connected. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, we just, again, it's at the end of the day, we trust the Lord with, with his provision. Um, but we do need... We do need support to be able to live in Papua New Guinea and anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you again so much for having us come and share. We feel so at home here. Um, last time I was here was five years ago, but I honestly feel like I was just here yesterday. <laughs> so thank you, and hopefully you could understand my accent. It's all muddled up because I've, yeah, it's just muddled up. It's okay. I, I, I understand. It's okay. <laughs> come on. How, how encouraging is that, right? Come on. Well, we love you guys, and we're so excited to keep partnering with you. Um, so as you heard, the Advent um, focus is going to be towards that building project. So we're going to keep uh, that open. So for the next, uh, for the month of December, right? So for the month of December, uh, you can see Janelle or Terrell or whomever, um, and you can just say, hey, like, this is what we felt in our heart, how we want to get behind this Advent conspiracy. So just let us know, and we'll make sure and do that. And in the meantime, we also, we, whenever we have uh, missionaries or speakers come, we just like to make an opportunity to take a love offering. So uh, the ushers are going to come and do that. So we just want to bless you guys um, and your travels. And uh, so, so we're, we're going to multitask. So this is, this is just to bless the ongoing ministry.
ministry and bless these guys. And then we'll, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep going after it with this building project. But in the meantime, I'm going to pray while we pass that. So go ahead and pass, guys, and I'll pray while you pass. Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, for, for George and Crystal. Thank you so much, Father, for Judah. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing through their lives. Thank you, Lord, that we get to partner with these guys. And because of them uh, saying yes to you, we get to say yes to you. And together, Lord, we truly believe that we're going to be a part of of seeing no more transference of HIV from mothers to their children, Lord. That we're going to see a decrease of HIV in Papua New Guinea, Lord. We just declare, Father, that as we're continuing to help those that are being marginalized, Lord, um, that you're not only going to help those, those, those one at a time that we're reaching, but Lord, we're calling for Papua New Guinea for the future that you dream over this nation, Lord, that it's no longer going to be a third world country. Father, we call for your dreams to come to pass. And in the meantime, Lord, we start here. We start here. And we pray that you would bolster and provide and care for George and Crystal, Lord, as they're the tip of the spear. But, Father, we ask that you'd also stir us up, Lord. For those of us that are called to go, that we're going to go. For those of us that are called to send, we're going to send. And for those of us that are called to give, we're going to give. And all of us are going to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, so these guys are going to be at the back with, uh, with flyers, prayer cards, T-shirts, hugs, stories, and George is going to eat some spiders, so they'll all be back there. The, uh, the ministry team is coming up. If you need prayer or ministry, please come and avail your, of yourself of it. Meanwhile, God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.